It started through, I would call it a midlife crisis. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to be that old guy that's pissed off going into my 40s. Now's your moment. All right, I'll put my head down and do all the work. Nothing else matters. I don't need to party. This is my moment. If the New York Times is going to talk about the border, I know exactly what they're going to say. If Fox is going to talk about it, you know exactly what they're going to say beforehand. How intellectually numb is all of that? I want to go to a place that's that's seeking truth. I don't care what side of the political aisle. I think with content creation, people have this misconception that because they see a viral video or something, that you can just make a viral video and then it's off to the races and you're good to go. It's not how it works. It takes time, but that's like, enjoy it. It's not supposed to be easy. Take me back to when you crossed a million subscribers on YouTube. That was, um, I don't know, maybe half a year ago. Okay. It's a good benchmark. It's a great for benchmark, sure. yeah. Like, I, I, I don't try to get too caught up in that stuff. Yeah. Like, just want to put my head down, do the work. Of course, you want an audience that grows. Yeah. But that one hit, that was like, okay, cool. Now I'm at a, like a different tier, it felt like. At that point of life, were you in Ukraine? Were you back here? No, back in the States. Okay. Uh, moved back about two years ago mm -hmm. and uh, San Francisco for a bit, and then we moved to Florida. So it was in Florida. Nice. And so I'm going to like take us back a little bit. So when you were right. in Ukraine, yeah. um, you can tell the story better, obviously, but that's when you started taking content creation seriously. Yes. What yes. was that switch like? And why did you go on that journey? Okay, I'll give you the short version because it's a long story. But uh, in Ukraine, um, always wanted to make videos about the world. Okay. So, uh, you know, traveled a lot realized most Americans don't know about a lot of the world. Um, no fault of their own, just you're not going to hear about the Republic of Georgia or Tajikistan or all these countries that I found very stimulating and interesting. It started through, I would call it a midlife crisis. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to be that old guy that's pissed off. Like, I got to do what I love in life. There's and a lot of pissed off old guys. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And I'd I've done a lot of jobs. I didn't, what my heart wasn't in. And I'm like, I want to be one of those people that loves what they do. I, I think there, there aren't that many. There's a five, 10%. I don't know exactly, but I'm yeah. like, I want to be one of those. You live once. I'm going to go for that. So it started in the countryside of Ukraine with this family okay. that uh, their apartment got bomb, bombed out. They lived near the Russian border. This was back in 2014. And so they moved to the Donbass. So I lived with them made a six-part documentary series. The first morning I wake up, we're in this house. They have, they have nothing materially. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I have no very limited language skills, and I'm just going to live with them, right? Sleeping on this mattress from like the Romanov dynasty. I mean, the springs went right through me the first <laughs> night, and they're starting with a prayer. Yeah. It's Sunday. Okay, cool. So I go out and join the prayer in the house and singing and all this. I was like, oh, that's cool. That was a six-part series that kicked off uh, the content. And um, it did sort of well in Ukraine. Wow. So that's where I started. And then I'm realizing, ah, oh, maybe I got something here. What stage of your personal life were you then like, did you have money saved up to take this risk? Like, what were you doing? Okay, so I moved to Ukraine because I, I failed this startup. It was, a, it was an app that connected people through common interests. You're going to Berlin, you want to run. You meet Hans that wants to run. Hans, meet yeah. a local or All whoever the Hans it is. Hans to run. Yeah, I know. Hans loves to run. Yeah. And uh, that was a failed mission. That was like four years of my life, a lot of money down the drain. But at that time, I owned a detailing business, auto 
boat, cars. Wow. It was just okay. a service-based business, yeah. but I figured out how to run it remotely. Okay. From my computer, I had a, a manager and a team of people. So that was that was paying the bills. Interesting. I had that through for so many years just to like while I tried to go for what interested me, mm-hmm. what my dream was, which took a long time to figure out. Yeah. I was working hard at that to keep that going to pay because without the money I wouldn't have been you able to do anything. anything. Yeah. So living in Ukraine, moving from San Francisco to Ukraine killed the burn by mm. like 4x. The bond rate went down. Big time. And that was part yeah. of the strategy. And I want to make content in the world. I had a buddy over there. I'm in Kiev, two hours to Istanbul, two hours to Berlin, Helsinki, Middle East is right there. Way cheaper. So that was the reason for, for that move. And I just wanted to, you know, I was, San Francisco is a tough place to be like, definitely. What am I doing in life? And I need to figure this out. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're spending a lot of money, right? And so, yeah, Ukraine started it all. I, I owe the country for my for my YouTube career. I will get back to Ukraine and the story, but what you mentioned right there of you being hyper-conscious of how to keep the bond rate low while you went on to figure out what actually interests yeah. you and how to turn that into a career. Yeah. Uh, the reason that I bring that up is because a lot of people romanticize this life Sure, of content sure, creation sure. and YouTubing and all that stuff while not being cognizant of that they don't make money right out the bat. No. Or sometimes lose money, yeah. right? So talk to me about that mindset of actually balancing out, hey, this is my day job and this is how I keep the lights on. But at the same time, I also don't want to be one of those guys who hate what they do. Yeah, that's a tough battle because you're um, figuring out, at least for me, figuring out the format and what I was doing was not easy to get to. Yeah. There was a lot of internal battle. And in the beginning, you're like, I'm going to make videos about showing these countries in the world. And I'm going to show how cool the people. I didn't have a clear message. And everyone, you know, you're getting no support. The, when you need the most support, you get the least. Mm. When, you, when you need the least support, you, you get, get the, the most. most yeah. Like having that event last night, people are supporting me. And like now I have a channel. So people are supporting, but I need less of it because I'm further along the journey. But that's a beautiful thing. It's the barrier to entry. So you have to grind. There's no, there's no easy, I mean, maybe it is for some people, but there's no easy way in. It was like going into my 40s, late 30s, 40s, early 40s. It's like, sort of now's your moment or, yeah, and that will push you. At least it did for me. It's like, all right, I'll put my head down and do all the work. Nothing else matters. I don't need to party. I don't need to do really anything else and focus on this. I don't care about making friends, new friends. I'm just like, this is my moment. Probably two years where you're balancing. I was balancing running a business and getting YouTube started. Uh, if I knew what I knew now, it would have been way quicker because I wasn't consistent with content. Um, but once, once that gained traction, I sold this business. I didn't make much money because the wheels sort of fell off. It mm. was gone for too long. Um, but it gave me a little bit of a runway to really go with this. And then we moved back to the US. What was the point where you realized that you may potentially reach escape velocity with YouTube creation and that you were at a, at a point of your career when you can just focus on that? Well, I realized that I did this series in Iran. Yeah. And that did really well. And so I'm like, okay, people are interested in that. It was like a bit of a proof of concept. Um, but to be financially free with it, only when I came back to the U.S. 2020. Why so? During pandemic. 
I didn't, I'd never even thought of this, but U.S. ad revenue is way better. Yeah. So <laughs> pandem- pandemic hits, all the flights out of Kiev, not happening. I made yeah. 40, 50 Ukrainian videos. I was tapped out of content there. And I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do? We're going to move to Italy because um, I could live there. And uh, my wife and I, I'm like, nah, U.S. has got it. I didn't want to move back to the U.S. I wanted to live abroad for a long time. Um, but it was the best decision by far because now I have a whole new appreciation for here. Like, okay. I've lived abroad a few times, but this one really hit coming back. All right, cool. Talk about yeah. that, like coming back to the States after four years, you said? Yeah. What was uh, your change perspective of your home country? Uh, okay, <laughs> just the first day, the air. The first- Like the quality? The air, we have an uh, amazing, amazing air quality in this yeah. country. Even in New York City, the air quality is good yeah. compared to most big cities in the world. Yeah. You look at this website, airvisual.com. Mm-hmm. I, I geeked out on this for a while because <laughs> only when you have the fires in Chern- the Chernobyl forest yeah. and all that smoke blowing into your apartment and the authorities say nothing about it, uh-huh. do you really start to get bitter about air quality. Mm-hmm. I was getting headaches and my health and they come back to the US and I'm like, oh my God. Just, and the infrastructure here, it's just like, wow. Okay, I hear all the time, crumbling infrastructure. It's like- I mean, compared to Norway, maybe, yeah, or Switzerland, Switzerland yeah. but overall, are you kidding yeah. me? Most of the world, this is like, things are smooth, right? So it was just a big eye-opener. I don't know why it took me, because I've lived abroad a few other times, but four years really hit me. And I just, I ignored the U.S. for four years. Ignored and then the all the, yeah, all the changes that happened yeah. in the summer of what, 2020, uh, right? Yeah, 2020, yeah. I was like, what's going on in the country? I had no clue. I was just ignored everything. And um, the beauty of it coming back to the U.S. is seeing it in this new light with all the people and the stories and the color and the contrasts and the, the geography. It's a freaking amazing experiment. And I love it now. Like, I didn't hate it before. Yeah. I always thought a bit grass is greener. You know, I'd love to live in Italy. Gotcha. Italy's nicer, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. But I get the U.S. now. And it, it took me that experience. I get I get the energy here that exists nowhere else. Uh-huh. So in, after doing Ukraine and Iran, you had the proof of concept, you know what kind of videos you want to make, you know that there's a market, and then you come back to the States in 2020, COVID. Yeah. Uh, what was the impetus behind actually starting to film within the United States and targeting specific communities? Okay, so it's a treasure trove of content, even in yeah. New York City. Yeah, you could spend years here making. Yeah, you can get easier. whacked with the story as soon as you step out <laughs> yeah. of the door. Yeah, it's no, awesome. Yeah. Okay, so my mom lives in Vermont. My I grew up there. My first seventeen years were there. Yeah. I go back to Vermont. I'm talking to my best friend from from day one, and he's like, "So what are you gonna do?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man, I'm gonna go down to um, New York. I'm gonna shoot some videos with the Hasidic Jews. I'm gonna go to the hoods in East New York. I got this great guy who's gonna bring me in." Yeah, and then he's like, so what are you going to do for work, though? <laughs> <laughs> he just like, and I didn't know it was going to work at yeah. all. I had no clue anything would work in the U.S. In that first New York series, I did a few different stories down here, and they did really well. And then I saw the ad revenue, U.S. ad revenue, totally different game. If you're, if you're watchers here versus Belarus or Ukraine, night and day. Okay, the expenses are higher. Yeah. But the ad revenue is, is it one? I saw a good month come in after those few videos. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is possible. 
And then it's just been ever since, just video every week. So you started with New York. You, yeah. Where did you go for your first piece of content? So Hasidic Jewish community here, East New York, the Chicanos in LA. Oh, yeah. So the pattern there is like you went and filmed with communities, which people always talk about and they know that they exist, but they have little to no insight on. Exactly. And, and they, la they label easily. Yeah. It's, it's easy to label even like it's the Amish or the Hasidic. So when you approach one of these stories or communities, do you take more of a reporter approach? Like, hey, I'm going to go in there, show what's it about, tell uh, like this is happening here. Or this is what the community is about. Or do you take much off of like a storyteller slash documentarian approach? The, the, the latter. The latter. Interesting. And I, I try to do it in a way where um, we're hanging out. Okay. Like a super relaxed podcast. I shoot with a GoPro for that reason. What's the reason? Psychology. Okay. Going with a big DSLR, one of these cameras. Yeah. Into the Amish community, good luck. <laughs> and especially if you have a cameraman. Yeah. Not happening. Closed door, done. But when they see that little camera, I got the GoPro 8. Yeah. They're like, this guy's, it's not anything serious. It's fun. It's relaxed. They don't even notice the camera after a while. I look like a tourist. Still the same footage. Yeah. Still the same footage. So I went uh, by having a cameraman, because the number one thing I want in this is yeah. real interactions, authenticity, getting their story without any filters. Okay. The more apparatus, the more people, the more gear, you, you, you bridge away from that. And so I can get away with it with like minimal. The audience, at least for my channel, they want to feel like they're there. Okay. They want to connect in the most natural way. They want to see the flaws in me, the flaws in people. They want to see the hiccups. They don't want polished anything, which is great as a creator because I can be my, I'm, I'm just being myself. And with the edit, I don't have to make these crazy flashy edits and get bogged down with edits every week. That's fair. Yeah. And you started doing this in the States in 2020. Yeah. And that, and during that time, our country was going through like 700 different things at the yeah. same time. How did you approach doing your craft in that political environment? I didn't change anything because I've always, I've always been interested in the other. Yeah. I grew up in Vermont. It's the most homogeneous white place <laughs> on the planet, I think. Yeah. Well, in the country, at least. Yeah. Uh, bubble land up there. Yeah. And I was always fascinated. My parents are from Hoboken. And yeah. so we'd come down to the city growing up, and I was always fascinated by different people. And I just, I, I enjoy that ride of getting into someone else's life and learning from them because you learn about yourself. Yeah. Through that, always, because you have something to compare against. So, that's never been an issue for me, and I never changed that. And I didn't, I didn't, I, I'm not following mainstream media too closely. I didn't change a thing. I even did a video BLM in the whitest state in America, what in Burlington, Vermont. I went into the BLM park because I didn't even know much about the group. Again, you're in the whitest place in the country, and the most amount of, well, after, I learned afterwards, the most amount of BLM signs I saw anywhere. And I start researching and looking and poking into the group deeper. I'm like, really? They believe in that? Are you sure they believe in those 10 demands? I highly doubt it. But anyways, the people with the signs in their lawns, I understand the context of that summer. Yeah. That's why I came to East New York. In the, in the, in the black neighborhoods, I wanted to talk to them and listen to them. The cold hard truth was the vast majority of the, the people, not everyone, but a vast majority with those signs, can pay them a million dollars to go into one of these black neighborhoods and talk to people and listen to them. 
it was uh, that's what sort of got me. It was this. I saw a lot of people had good intentions, but there was a lot of facade and posturing, and that that's I'm antithetical to that mentality and that type of filmmaking or storytelling. So I want to understand. I want to find the truth, which is super hard to find in anything, but that's the goal in all these videos. And I don't actually, that was the most political video I would have done. I'd, I'd really stay away from politics. No, like, in the, in the like it's it, like, even like as a creator, sometimes when you're talking to actual people about their real life issues, sometimes there is no way to avoid it, even though if you want to. Y exactly. Yeah. And I'm asking you like at any point, like, till date when you have like all this content in your archive mm -hmm. if and when someone tells you something which you fundamentally disagree with how do you contend in that moment do you like let let them know that you disagree with them or how you oh. keeping the content in mind how do you address oh, that in this the one of the subjects in one of my videos yeah i let them speak i i had this uh world religions professor mm -hmm. i went to community college before i went to university and it was, his name was Dr. Gary Cage. And six of the major religions he taught. And, at, and taught them really equally. And at the end of the semester, he asked, you know, what religion did he belong to or believe in? Okay. And he was a Catholic priest. But you, wouldn't have never, you would have never guessed during the course of that semester. And that's my North Star. That's what I try to do with my content no two people agree on everything. That's impossible. Yeah, That's no. ridiculous. I want to let people speak if I don't agree with them. I mean, I'll push back at times if I think, if I think it's needed. But for the most part, they, they do the speaking. Then as the viewer, you see where their head's at. You see how they approach the world. And you can learn from that. You can agree or disagree. That's your choice. I don't want to choke a narrative down your throat of how it's supposed to be through my eyes. You granted your audience a fundamental assumption of intelligence. Well, yeah. Like you assume that the audience themselves can, themselves can make their own mind, uh, yeah. which sounds like a pretty obvious and like basic thing to do. But more often than not, from someone who actually comes from the mainstream world, right. I know that most producers don't go that route. And because like, it's yeah. not like they always want to take a narrative down the throat, but it's always like, hey, let's push that conversation in that direction for whatever reason we want it to happen. What's the use in that? Like, what's the utility? The border is a great example. Our border right now. Yeah. It's a serious problem. And to ignore it doesn't, doesn't make it go away. I mean, even if you're the most open policy, like we need no border, countries don't exist, and everyone should come in, you'd be disgusted by the amount of human trafficking going on. The young women getting sold in the sex trade, like that would really, you know, gut wrench you. So with that series, for example, I go down and, and, and I'm trying to show what's, what's happening to the best of my ability. There's a huge story there. And the fact that we have media where if the New York Times is going to talk about the border, I know exactly what they're going to say. They don't talk about it to begin with, but if they're going to, you know exactly what they're going to say. If Fox is going to talk about it, you know exactly what they're going to say beforehand. How intellectually numb is all of that? I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to just be fed one side of thing. I want someone to, that's intellectually curious and seeking 
the truth. No one's going to hit it perfectly. I have my, everyone's got their bias too. No one's like got the truth. From like, I come from the news world. So there was this book, I forgot the name of it. I think it's called Hate Inc. Yes, Uh, I've read that. uh, The whole realization was after the Cold War, when there was no other to hate. Like during the Cold War, it was really easy for the US government and the journalism world to let people know we are the good guys, communism, that's the bad guys, right? But when the Soviet Union fell, there was none of that antagonism for you to bank upon. So what ended up happening is the journalism world realized that, hey, if we do that division in the country itself, Mm -hmm. then that's an easy way to like sell our product, i.e. news, right? So when like you said like fox or new york times they have an approach towards a story the yeah. reason they take one side over the other because they know that their subscribers or viewers or whatever yeah. that's what their market wants and the reason no one goes down the centrist or like the most common sense route is because they know that that doesn't stoke people up yeah. but coming back to you you realized uh, that that whole model is not necessarily true. And if I actually show people what's going on, instead of just telling, giving them the narrative, that might work. And that did work because you yeah. have over a million subscribers and all the videos do like almost better numbers than almost like a cable news show would do. Mm-hmm. So what was that realization like that your product and your fundamental thesis of not having an agenda actually worked? It's well, firstly, it's just what I want in the world. That's what I want to go to. Those are the people I want to follow. Yeah. So that's who I am. Um, but how it fundamentally worked is the it's, I think if one in news institution, large one, went with that ideology, I think they'd be extremely successful. A lot of people are dying for it right now, thirsty for it. Right. And so, that model, I get the business model because you're going to silo up. If I go, like, say I do the border series and I just go like hardcore one direction with it, I'm going to get that loyal fan base. You know how this works, I know, right? Yeah. It silos up. Yeah. The second I, I go, I zag over here and say, well, actually, this is going on too. You just pissed off your whole they audience. They're torn against you in a moment. They're pissed, right? Yeah. So I've been called everything from. A woke uh, social democrat, I was just called yesterday, I think. And then um, a Trumper. Nice. You know, cause, because I'll, if I do a series on Muslims in America, you know, some people don't like that just because they're anti-Muslim, right? And then I'll do something on the border and the other side's like, well, you, you're anti-humanitarian or something. Um, so I have the luxury, I'm not too political. Like if I yeah. do a series with the Chicanos, it's not like I'm really getting into politics yeah. with them. They'll go into deeper issues, but I let them speak. So half my audience, I really have a 50-50 audience, half on the left, half on the right politically. Fascinating. Yeah. When you talk to all these different communities in the States, what's the balance of them being prideful and having their identity wrapped in their respective subculture versus identifying as an American? Oh, great question. It really depends, and it depends on the person. So I was just on St. Lawrence Island, mm-hmm. Alaska, private island owned by the Siberian Yupik people. You can see Russia far from the state, yeah, way out in the, the Bering Straits. They 
a lot of the natives have been in the military. They're very patriotic. Interesting. Okay. American flags flying. They still kill a whale, walrus, and reindeer every year. I mean, they're removed. Um, but some are not attaching too much with the, with the nation state. It really depends on the person. The Chicanos are interesting. They're in no man's land, some of them, a lot of them, because they're not like when they go to Mexico, they're looked at as whitewashed. Whitewashed. Yeah. They're, they're American. And when they're here, they're like, they're, they're Mexicans. They're Mexicans. So yeah. you can even have a guy, this guy, Ernie, he's a great guy. I did a video with him. He's got this low rider. Ernie speaks with uh, the Mexican accent. But he doesn't know how to speak Spanish. He doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> so he grew up in that environment. He never yeah. he never lived in Mexico. Yeah. But everyone that you know around yeah. the accent. So his English is like from it, their perspective. From yeah. their perspective. That's awesome. So you get all sorts of kooky I think, mixes. I like think that. like most people don't realize that America is like only like I don't know like two hundred years young. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it started as an experiment. It still is do some yeah. experiment. Like there is nowhere else in the world where you can find all these like hodgepodge of people like living so together. Cool. The reason there is so much political conversation and stuff like that, it's like nowhere else in the world. There are so many different types of people yeah. crammed up in yeah. like sometimes like literal, like, like shoeboxes, which is New York. Yeah. And like, there's so many different kinds of people. And that was the point being like this whole political discourse and all the disagreements that, that happens. Cause like we started this experiment. Yeah. Values are different. Yeah. Different people. And one thing I wanted to touch on though, that I forgot to say when we were talking about the media and in, in the model breaking, you yeah. know, picking a side, basically history is going to look at them very poorly. I think they're going to go back to a time and be like, remember when, you know, back in the 2000s, they actually like psychologically divided the people of the country to go against each other. We manipulated them in certain ways to, to stoke fear and, and anger. And I think, I think the species is going to evolve to a point where this time is going to be like, that was insane. What were, what were they doing? There is this uh, media scientist. His name is uh, Marshall McLuhan. He said okay. this thing called... Uh, the medium is the message. Yeah. Right. So not just the content itself that you're consuming, but the way you're consuming and the medium through which you're consuming sure. is as important, if if not more important. Right. The point being, like the fact that we allowed uh, mainstream media and like the corporate journalism world to take over this much power in the decision making process of how the electorate votes is an insane thing that we did as yeah. a populace. Yeah. Right. And whether or not the history looks back at them as like they did good with that responsibility or bad, they have to at least like be like, oh my God, the fact that we all voted based on what they said. Right. That's an insane thing. Like I'm surprised that. That's a, that's a for profit model, it's, which, it's which lets people know that how you should vote. But there is, I will say, a huge gap between our perceived reality online and the actual on the, on the ground. I don't know if my uh, FedEx driver is Republican or Democrat, <laughs> and I don't care. Yeah, you know, I don't really care anyone's politics what they are. You know, are they a good person? Is, are their intentions good? And I think there's, I think we're caught up. Like in New York right now, people tell me not to take the metro. This oh trip. my god, I just took the metro. It's I hear that so often. I I I mean, things are happening. I'm sure, but it, it yeah. feels pretty normal yeah, in new york i mean it, i don't see a difference i i like 
because like i just moved here from dc and all my friends were like oh my god new york crime this and that i was like yeah that's in every city yeah like and maybe it's maybe it's up and i think the bronx are, is up a lot like yeah, the, the boroughs are up a lot staten island but like labeling like entire sex and people as a whole yeah and like i mean yeah obviously like there are actual political stuff which is done on like the da level which affects oh i felt that firsthand in san francisco where we moved what do you experience uh winter of 2021 was terrible there they had boudin in, in charge which was basically all the criminals are the victims mentality and anything goes so the cops gave up completely demoralized they're not going to do anything steal to 950 no problem it's a misdemeanor cops aren't going to do anything with a misdemeanor so what does that result in on the street what's that tangible result from a policy oh our safeway is getting our grocery stores smashed every every day stealing all the workers are demoralized they feel like uh they feel terrible because they can't say anything i mean it's not fun going to work and having someone just you're setting up the shelves all nice and someone's just like wrecking stuff i mean what world are we in you don't want to raise a kid in that you walk out your door someone can be shooting up right in in front of your place not a problem my friend who's a doctor Late for work, late for surgeries. Why? Traffic? No, because homeless encampment comes in at night when he's sleeping, sets up tent city in front of his garage, hits the button in the morning, door goes up. What do you do? You can't call the police. There's no one to call. That's your problem. So it got too out of too out of hand with that stuff. This isn't a cold-hearted. Don't do anything about the homeless situation. No, do a lot about it. Do get deeper to root problems. Mostly drug addiction issues because I've done a lot of videos on this topic. So I've spent time in these places, drug addiction issues, mental health issues. They're pretty much tied in together. A lot of people with a lot of sad stories. You know, when, when you're, when the girl gets raped by her dad at the age of 12 and has to carry her kid, good luck in life, not easy. Right? So we have a lot of these stories. How do you help these people instead of just saying, yeah, you're free to just take over the street. And you know, my wife's from Ukraine, We've been together. We lived four years together there. When I bring it, brought her to the States, it's her first time living here. As, as a responsible person, I can't let her go deal with these problems on a day-to-day basis. I feel a re- felt a responsibility. So that point in time was the worst. Houdin got recalled, thank God. So they've tightened it up a bit. I think it's not as bad as that winter. Um, but it was horrible, a horrible energy. And it's like you, the, the amount of... We, had, we called it San Francisco snow, the broken glass everywhere in the parking lots, everywhere. And you're like, all right, car could get broken in here. And I'm not trying to be alarmist, and I get it, cities have crime and whatnot. Yeah. But this was at the extreme level for what should be allowed and tolerated. So we moved. Now I live, I park near the beach, and I'm not worried about my glass getting smashed. And anyway, the point is, we have serious, deep rooted problems that are getting band aid approaches to see it across the country the drug issue fentanyl right now it's in, that's hitting everywhere so many people i've talked to they lost their daughter they lost their mother they lost whomever it's you know it's it's needs to be addressed and i just feel like it's not a, it's not a top issue by our politicians and it brings it brings everything down though it's a weight on the whole society so mm-hmm. I think the the goal should be to build a stronger society. The starting point with that, if like if you have a problem, you have to accept that you have one. And I yeah. think like you're doing a great job of like showcasing 
I mean, obviously, you don't go in communities will like starting like, oh, that's the problem. But at the same time, when you tell a story, you can tell what are the issues which are affecting them. Mm-hmm. But changing gears a little bit, uh, so you met your wife in Ukraine, yeah, and uh, she's here now. What does she think of the states? She loves it. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, so she worked for Norwegian Air in, okay. cu- in customer service. Okay. In Ukraine, in Kiev. Okay. Before she ever came to the states, and she yeah. had no interest in the U.S. Because she thought every American was, because look, as as Americans, yeah, we we push the envelope with yeah. customer service, right, yeah, more definitely. than anyone probably. Yeah, yeah. Like, so she's getting all these calls, like, you know, my grandma had a bad experience on the flight. Can you knock some money off my ticket? You know, this stuff, feeling this type of stuff all day long. She yeah. thought Americans would, you know, she's like, she found out I was from the U.S. She's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go out with this guy, <laughs> um, but. <laughs> one full flip she loves it here yeah she loves it i mean most most people aren't totally rude losers like that and um she loves she's constantly amazed by the the diversity obviously of culture but of geography we just got back from the west we were doing a series from montana all the way to arizona she came with me navajo nation navajo nation is bigger than 10 u.s states good lord not combined, but the yeah, ten, no, there it, are yeah, ten no. states smaller than the Navajo Nation, bigger than West Virginia, just smaller than South Carolina. I mean, bigger than European countries. That's this insane. is one Indian reservation. Holy shit! I mean, you have the Hopi Indian reservation within the Navajo Nation, and they look at themselves as nations. They don't like the consensus I got about that. Is there is none. As far as do you say Native, Native American, Indian, First Nations? I asked dozens and dozens of natives. Zero consensus on that. What they want to be called is Crow, Lakota, Hopi, Zuni. Their tribe is their nation. So I this is the beauty of this work. This is why I, I, I love it, is because I yeah. can get into that. I would never know that or understand that until I felt it on these tribes where they're like, we're like he's like one guy told me he's like sort of like europe you have different countries out there you're not part of that country and that's how they look at so that the navajo nation is their is their country and they're sort of inside the american nation it's really fascinating i mean i had one lakota medicine man tell me i'm the native american oh boy he's like you're i'm like so i call you native american he's like no you're the native american you were born here i'm lakota Interesting. And he's like, don't call me Native American. Then some people want you to call him Indian. And then some people, it depends the age. The older natives that are were in the military, most of them want to be called Indian. And they're very proud of the US. But they still want to be called Indian. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a fine I'm not balance. Like- anything out. There's there after this series, there are way more questions than answers, for sure. I think that's a good way of telling stories. Like, yeah, it's fascinating. You're not it's, going there in like with the mindset of, hey, I got to solve this problem or that's what I'm trying to address. No. When people watch that and they were like, huh, like I want to learn more. I think that's a good way to live your audience. Yeah. But shifting gears a little bit, um, you obviously have the YouTube ad revenue and a Patreon and all that. So the yep. point being your job and your craft is supported by your audience, right? Yeah. And do you see yourself at any point where you want to scale your existing business, if you may, yeah. to whatever the next level is? Do you ever see yourself 
going a different route, getting money from somewhere else? Like, what's the next step? I'd like not to get money from anywhere else. What I learned doing different small businesses is I want the leanest, best performing team. I love the YouTube model. Just I realized years ago, it's like you need. I want to be in the digital space, but I'm not a coder by any stretch. Yeah. That would be my worst life. <laughs> so uh, before when I wanted to grow, I needed more employees, which meant more equipment, which meant more vehicles, which meant more insurance, which meant more FICA taxes, which oh, meant blah, 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 blah. And like you want to grow that way. But with this, the beauty is I put out a video. It could get a few hundred thousand views or or a few million i did no more work for those few million right that's the beauty of this model i love it lean team it's me it's my wife editing and it's awesome and an assistant yeah that's it so as far as expanding on that i'm thinking of a podcast i'm thinking of tying these characters in that i have on the videos and doing something like this where we can go deeper and talk one two hours because the videos are usually 20 30 minutes right yeah so go deeper with my characters, but I'm I'm struggling struggling a little bit um, because this I I'm really busy with the content. There's an ad, you know. I work uh, cuts cuts clothing is a a, a small brand I work uh-huh. with. So that's like so affiliate branding, basically. It's affiliate, and I'm on a monthly retainer salary kind of retainer yeah. with them. So I get that's a good one, and I have other brands I work with here, and so. If those value, I would love to get another brand like Cuts that's just a real solid and great to work with. And I, I wear the product and I love it. So um, another like thing like that, I'm building out my newsletter list. Um, I got to get better at social media, as you were telling me. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Uh, I'm sort of old school with not wanting to get on social media. You got to do it. That's what the people are. I mean, I know, I know. I just post and ghost with the YouTube videos yeah. and Facebook. I don't know. It's a, I think it's a I think it's a good space to be in right now. I would suggest anyone if they have the 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 drive in the message which might take a while to figure out, but if they have it in them, it's the business model is awesome. Yeah, I mean the, also really the reason good. and I want you to expand on it is the moment you started taking that as your job. Yeah. I think that's when it started paying the dividends, right? Yeah, you I really realized, especially in the beginning, you can't, you just got to be hyper-focused. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't have the luxury in the beginning. I had to be doing something else. A and job, this. yeah. Um, but spreading too wide, you just got to go as focused as possible. So, you know, and regular, regular, like yeah, nothing grew until I got regular every week. Also, like, this is a totally like different topic, but... I'm 27 years old yeah. and a lot of people in like this generation or like our generation, there's this lack of patience regarding like even like content creation or like stepping into anything creative, creative endeavor, expecting that the returns are going to be right away. Where Whereas like, I don't know how old you are, but like 45, 45 years old, you had like a bunch of different jobs. There was a lot of iterations. Yeah. And Somewhere down the line, you quote unquote hit the jackpot of finding a model which works. Yeah. Obviously, you had to put a lot of hours, a lot of man hours, be patient about it. What was that journey regarding like actually like telling yourself that, hey, this is going to work, this is going to work, this is going to work? Well, I always have long term thinking with things. So I've, I've just grown up that way and I don't need the instant results. 
By the age of 40, I wanted to see as much of the world as possible and get as much experience as possible and figure out jobs or businesses that would provide the freedom to go do that. In a way, the opportunity is all there, but you're right with the mindset. It's easy to see someone succeeding online with the big numbers and not understand the full story. And what I have to say to that is just, you got to need to sober up, not to you, but just <laughs> in general, like sober up. This is how it works. It's like, um, they're like a building stands only because the engineering is done a certain way. And if it's not done that way, it's not standing anymore. I mean, it's, it's that clear. You got it. There's no, like, I think with content creation, people have this misconception that because they see a viral video or something that you can just make a viral video and then it's off to the races and you're good to go. It's not how it works. It takes time, but that's like, enjoy. It's not supposed to be easy. That's the thing too. I grew yeah. up, I grew up, I was like, like on a freaking prison camp with the work I had to do. My father, like you gotta, like grew up in the country in Vermont. You had to do yeah. all these jobs. You had to, you know, like I, I had to like do a lot of that work and a lot of things I, a lot of things I didn't want to do. And so that trained me. I'm thankful for it. Cause it trained me like in doing this, it looks all great. There's a lot of things you don't want to do. Yeah. Right. And it's like this. Like you just have to pound through it. Traveling, booking, like they're like a gajillion different things yeah. which go into you actually hitting the publish button. There are like so many things happening before that. In the beginning, figuring out format. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I, it took me forever to figure that out. Did you take any sort of inspiration from somewhere else? Like, cause like what the content you do, I don't know if I had to think of something. It's like, Hey, is it like a travel vlog or is it like a news report? So like it's what in did, between. Yeah. So like, what did you think when you were like trying to find out the model? So what else were you referring to? Like, yeah, hey, I what I was thinking like about is um, I, I want a real lean team. I don't want to be going into an office mm -hmm. with, a, with a ton of editors. Studio, yeah. Studio or anything. I want to work from home or on the road or wherever in the world. And so you look at a model like Vice, for example. Yeah. Um, I just see what goes into all those edits and what it goes into their productions. And to be a lean, small team like that, it's impossible. So what was my strength, competitive advantage? I could go in and do something, my production quality is lower. Like um, a mainstream news outlet wouldn't be able to get away with that, I guess, mm -hmm. doing a GoPro video. But the beauty of it is my cuts, I have things in chronological order. I put it in the timeline in the editing studio. Basically, you're just trimming fat to make the story work. And it's a much simpler format. Um, so just observing different creators, different styles, and figuring out, I don't want to be a true journalist. I'm not a journalist because I think to be a, a good journalist, if you're going to go into the Hasidic Jewish community or any community, you have to get information from all sides and compile that into your story. Mm -hmm. So you let your viewers see every angle. And that's way too much to do in this vloggy type video because I'm usually meeting with one character that's bringing me in. And I'll push back on things. I'll open them up. That's my job to open them up. Um, but I wouldn't consider it journalism. And it's not travel vlogging because it's, it's, it's in between. It's this new category. There's not many people there. And I think there's a ton of opportunity there. Because people, the viewer wants to connect. Yeah. They want to connect onto the ground. And the more edits you put in, the more 
I'm the reporter and that's the subject. So there's there's a more wall of a there. There's yeah. a wall. Yeah. Exactly. And you said connect, so like bringing it full circle. So last night you invited me to your event and yeah. it was awesome to see that you can sell out this nice arena for yourself and like all these people showed up just to like not just listen to you but also listen to the characters who have been featured in your videos yeah the point being like what was that like seeing an actual like iteration of like hey all this work that i put in like there are actual faces and people oh, yeah. behind it who are willing to pay not just their money but also give me their time to come watch see me and listen to what i have to say oh it's so cool it's it's that's the biggest problem with this model youtube you post it you're not connected to your audience mm -hmm. you see comments and stuff but yeah it's totally different than facetime so it was amazing it was it was really cool and i always thought a, a measure of success would be to have an audience you'd want to hang out with like you'd want to hang out that's with awesome. no matter yeah, what. I, I don't hear about that often. Yeah, that's and, all. And yeah. uh, I don't want some audience where I'm like in in contact with them and I'm like, oh, yeah. get me out of here. Like this yeah. guy's annoying the hell out of me. They're like they're interesting questions, open-minded people. We had an after party. It was so much fun. There's like people like, I wish like a lot of these people lived around me type stuff. And that's what I want. Like I'm thinking long term with this. Just long term. I don't want to burn out. That's why my content is so wide and far, the topics, because I'll burn out if I stick on one thing. Um, and building this audience, because the audience is the key, obviously. And to see them and uh, experience that, it's, it's, it's the first for me, really. I mean, I see people sometimes, they watch the content one-on-one, -on -one, but not, a, not an audience like that. Last question. Yeah. So you think it's fair to say at this point you're not that angry old man anymore? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not an angry old man. Yeah, yeah. Good. I don't consider. I, I've. I've definitely don't consider myself old yet. But oh uh, no, definitely no, not. No, dude. No, no, I like it. I, I like I it. I saw you move around yesterday. You were like on your feet. Yeah. Um. That's the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, do you want to no be regrets? the angry old yeah. man? You don't want to be the guy that has regrets. I've seen that guy many a times. We all have. Sometimes, and, like and in your family, there's yeah. a sadness in it, right? Yeah. And that it, kind of like emanates. If you are sad about it, you just let other people like be miserable and bring them down. That's like. And I think even if, even if you don't reach that dream, if you give it absolutely everything, the pursuit you, of it, yeah, then you can be that old guy. And life takes its courses yeah. and changes, and who knows where things go. This channel could be gone tomorrow. That's the, yeah. how the world works. But, but going for it. And then you're 80 or 90 or whatever. And you're like, I, that was a cool journey. Because that, in that struggle will be the best memories, the coolest stories, like the stuff that has feel, you know, all the comfort stuff is just, you're just going to like go right over it. It's not even going to stick in your memory, I don't think. That's awesome. So that would be my advice. No one asked for it, but <laughs> go for uh Go for what you love, and that takes at least for me until my late thirties, early forties to figure what out what that was. So I don't think you're ever, no, anyone's ever too late for it. I think it's possible wherever you're at. That's it. Yeah, it's never yeah. too late. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Thank you. You got it. Hey, thanks for your time, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Good questions. I love it. love your <laughs> questions.